0: Hello, I'm Rachel Lyman and we want to welcome you to our 2023 Interfaith Connection podcast. This is a Spiritual Life Center monthly podcast dedicated to the exploration of faith traditions that promote love. Rev. Dave Lyman is my partner in marriage and also my senior minister partner for our Interfaith Explorers organization. We're both so excited to be starting our third year of podcasts on this grand adventure. Our goal this year is to explore and make new friends at faith communities in the greater Sacramento region where interfaith continues to grow. We also wanna encourage your feedback as you participate in interfaith events and field trips, read our newsletter and listen to our monthly podcast. So as we say each year, buckle up and get ready for the exciting year ahead.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Reverend Dave Lyman, and I'm the Senior Minister for the Interfaith Explorers. We want to welcome you today to Interfaith Connection. It's our monthly podcast dedicated to exploring interfaith in the Sacramento region. I love doing this podcast because we get a chance to see the dynamic congregations and spiritual leaders in our interfaith community. And amazingly enough for Rachel and I, this is our 28th podcast. But today we're going to start off, before we introduce our guests, and go back in time. In 1998, a young Science of Mind minister graduated from the Holmes Institute. Even though she was based in Santa Rosa, she wanted to start a church in the Sacramento area. She rented a small room at the Heart Center in Midtown Sacramento, and she went door to door distributing flyers and talking to people about a Sunday service. The first Sunday, just to make sure, she brought 12 of her followers down from Santa Rosa to kind of seed things, as she said and lo and behold, 12 other people came from the flyers they got. She recruited a 16-year-old son of a friend to play piano, and thus was born the Center for Spiritual Awareness. This was and is the can-do spirit of the amazing Reverend Georgia Prescott, and the congregation has made a difference every day since that day. Reverend Georgia came to a point in 2022, when she they decided to retire, and of course, doing it as only Reverend Georgia would do, the first thing she did was plan a long-term traveling adventure. Uh, I ran a program in 2015 with my wife, and when we got to our last Wednesday, the Thursday, the next day, we went on a two-week trip in Europe. And we realized that when you go on a long-term adventure right after you have uh, retired, No one can get a hold of you for a while, and it's perfect. Today, we're honored and blessed to meet and share a conversation with Reverend Rick Harrell, the current senior minister for the Center for Spiritual Awareness. Originally from Michigan, today we're going to get the opportunity to get to know him, because he's already continuing that tradition of can-do, and working with the amazing programs at CSA that make it a just really proactive member of the interfaith community in the region welcome reverend rick we're really glad to have you today this is just a great opportunity
2: thank you so much for the invitation oh sure let's
1: get started tell us about growing up and the part religion and spirituality played uh in your life
2: sure um i grew up in detroit uh and i grew up in a traditional black church and um, but my parents were very impacted by New Thought, and uh, they attended the Unity um, uh, community for teaching and their classes. And so from about the time that I was eight years old, I was reading my parents' material from Unity. And so it was very much integrated into the rest of my uh, experience. So I come out of a traditional Methodist church. By the time I was 16, I was in a charismatic church, and most of my adult life, um, most of the start of my adult life was very much in a charismatic um, experience. And New Thought for me and being charismatic just integrated perfectly.
1: You actually put a sentence in that said that the very first outing you had as a baby was to a church.
2: Yeah, I, I have been in church my entire life. I have not missed a month of church in my entire life. Um and I'm up there. Um yes, I was uh, the first outing I had was to church. The fr- I was taught to read using the Bible and um there was the 23rd Psalms within this family Bible and it was in the middle of the book and there was one verse on every page. Oh, I love it. And at 18 months of age, I could recite the 23rd Psalm and turn the page at the correct time. Oh, I love it. And my grandfather would tell people, I have this super grandchild who can read already at 18 months.
1: You know, we are brothers. Um, There came a point in time in Minnesota when my grandmother came, she heard noise at 2.30 in the morning and I was about a year or two old. Mm -hmm. She came out into the room where the library was and I had a Bible on my lap mm-hmm. and was doing the same kind of thing. Yeah, it's so it's, it's spirituality was
2: a part of our home life. Um, my um, friends were in church, um, and and we weren't ultra evangelical. It was just that's what families were. They were uh, in the in the church, and so by the time I was twelve, I was playing for the choir, the children's choir. I mean, the organ for the children's choir. I was always the role model kid because my mother was director of the children. So and so, how did,
1: yeah. How did you end up then getting the calling? Because the calling doesn't always come to people that go, you know, it's it's been said that one of the ways you can really find out who's a rebel is to look for the preacher's son or daughter. <laughs> well, how I
2: ended up... Um, is that at this, this role model kid, right, growing the church. And so what would happen is I went to the conventions and I would have to come back and report on the conventions and I would have to speak at the conventions, et cetera. And because of there, I was always portrayed as someone who was very comfortable in that world. Um, everyone predicted, you know, that I would be a preacher. And so by the time I was 18 years of age, I was very clear that that was the calling on my life, but I didn't know how to do it. And I didn't know how to seek out how to do it. And uh at the time, there was only one seminary in Detroit, and that was the Roman Catholic Seminary. So I went to the Roman Catholic sem- uh, seminary just to interview to see if it would if I could get in. And if I could go to school there and I made a decision and I made a deal with God, which you don't do, by the way, that if I got my undergraduate degree, then I would go to Bible college. And I did that. I finished my undergraduate degree and then I went to Bible college and I just thought I would teach. And then I did clinical pastoral education and my whole world changed.
1: Say more about that.
2: Um. The interesting thing, I have worked in a hospital for 40 years. I'm, I'm extremely comfortable in a hospital. And um, what would happen is everyone who is affiliated, every patient who's affiliated with a, a faith community, that's who looks out for them, that, that people come in and visit. It's the people who don't have a connection to a faith community that get cared for by the hospital chaplains. And so... I was in a situation where I led service on a day-to-day basis. Um, I visited patients, I listened to them, I accompanied them um, uh, in situations where they were at the end of their life, I comforted their families. And I found that um, although their teaching and understanding and theology was so different than mine, their sincerity for their love for God was transparent. It was unbelievable. And I had to realize, I had never really thought about it, that God had to be bigger than whatever my personal experience had been. And so that started and it just continued. I mean, all you need is a class with a rabbi <laughs> who says, by the way, we're, we don't act like the biblical people. You know, we don't, We're not the New Testament people that they're talking about. And to, for them to open up, their experience for me and so um all of that happened the hindus the muslims there's such a large group of islam uh, islamic and muslim people in michigan and so i just everything was interesting to me and everything that i thought was interesting i would find a way to be a part of it just to go see just to understand and i would want to understand what was going on so i had to read (laughs) <laughs> um, to make sure that I was prepared. But it was a fascination uh, that I had at a very young age. And I had no idea
1: how all of this would come together in my life. I had no idea. And yet, and yet, isn't it interesting? A couple of points. One is that you had a job. You have a job yeah. in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And yet, the truth is you are also the hospital minister. <laughs> not, I, not by yeah. not by a, a designated title but yep. i'm sure at every hospital you've worked at they've said oh get reverend rick over here he will help
2: they do and and most of the time they didn't even know i was reverend and uh the the thing was is you always go to rick's office if uh if you want some peace oh, there. that's my reputation if rick isn't there it's fine just go there there it, it's very peaceful there and so I have served though um, at a hospital that I would um, volunteer with the hospital chaplains on the weekend. And so there are times that I have went from doing my job and then I step out and do a memorial service at the bedside and then go back to work. Um, and I it, unbelievable, unbelievable experiences that, that I just, I cherish like no one could imagine.
1: In, in the old Western novels, that said when you, I have weird analogies. When you cross a river with your wagon train, mm-hmm. you don't go straight across.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You veer left and you veer right and you veer left because of the life's currents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you look back on life and, and really, uh, God, I've read somewhere that all God needs of us is willingness. Yes, yes, yes. My,
2: my prayer when I was, most of my life was, if God, if I can just hear your voice, I'll be okay. Yeah. And um, that was just kind of how I led my life. At the point in time that I applied to become the minister at Center for Spiritual Awareness, I had studied under Reverend Dr. Georgia for five years. Um, and I do mean tutelage. You speak every month this is where things are going to be. And so I had this wonderful experience. And so I had to write down this pretty much a CV of my background. Well, for me, it's all integrated in the fact that I've done so much work in healthcare, seven years, seven different healthcare systems, you know, all this kind of stuff. And in between that was interweaved all of the things that I did related to faith orientation, classes or workshops. And my best friend said to me, you never monetized any of these things. Nope. I can't believe you didn't monetize it. And I said, no, I was just, it was fascinating for me. And I, everywhere I went, every place I've lived, um, I have absorbed a little bit of the
1: quality of the faith community where I've lived. And it's, you know, in, in, in the truth of us showing up, it's never about the money. It's, no,
2: no. It was it's it was my first love, and I mean I loved it. I I love theology like nobody's business. Um, I'm very committed to social justice. So it's my community, but I have a calling to, I, I call it the fringe people, the people who aren't comfortable in everybody else's church, or faith community. Yeah, um,
1: they're perfect for my community. At some Be, mm-hmm, go ahead. At, at some point in time. <clears throat> I need to introduce you to Reverend Michael Moran, who started Spiritual Life Center.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because
1: as he said, we put together a group of um, mavericks, mystics, and misfits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like that's the group that, I mean, it's the ones that are going, well, who who left me here on this planet? Well, when are they coming back for me?
2: Yeah, it is. it really is the kind of place where... Um, all you have to do is bring a visitor or your friend. And they come and they go, I don't know that I can really figure out the crowd. And I go, look at the crowd. Have you ever seen such a diverse group of people together in a faith community? And everyone says, no way. And I've never seen this. And I go, this is normal for us. This is absolutely normal. How
1: do you find Reverend Georgia?
2: (laughs) Well, I have attended the Centers for Spiritual Living, which is the current name for our association, for many years. So you you really get passed from one church to the next. So when I moved from Eugene, Oregon um, to California, um, you get introduced to the minister in the area where you are. So the first thing I did when I interviewed in Sacramento is I went to church on Sunday Because that would determine whether or not I could go come to Sacramento and work. Uh Because if I didn't have a faith community, I don't care what the job was. It wasn't going to be okay. So I went to Center for Spiritual Awareness on that Sunday. And I have been there ever since. I moved to town about a month later. And I've been there ever since. And I'm telling you, I'm the person. I run and do the sound. I turn the video camera on. I get up and read the scripture, (laughs) you know. Whatever was needed. And I was proud to do it and glad to do it. And, you know, it was was the real blessing in my life to just be able to try to anticipate the needs of my senior minister. And for her to know, she had nothing to worry about if I was there.
1: But how how does that translate to showing up? And there's a famous story about two kids that wanted to work in college on the newspaper. And they were mm-hmm. both on the high school newspaper. And they came and the one, the very first day said, I want to be the editor. You know, mm-hmm. you guys need to give me a lot. And the other one started emptying the wastebaskets. Yeah. Guess mm-hmm. at the end of the year. So here you are doing sound and doing this and doing that. Rick, you're the senior minister. How, how, <laughs> did, how does one get from one to the other? Yeah.
2: Know? So what happened was right soon as I moved to town, Reverend Dr. Georgia had a a practitioner class. (laughs) And in our community, the first level of any training is practitioner training. And Mm -hmm. it's a prayer and um, coach. We say coach, not counseling Um, provider. And so it's a two-year program. The first year is unearthing your own stuff. And the second year is dealing with other people's stuff. And so I immediately uh, uh, went to Reverend Georgia and said, you know, I think I have the background to do this. She looked at my background and she said, fine. I'd only been there a couple of months. So she got, she was with me while I was in practitioner training. So she got to listen to me. She got to hear me because she was the instructor. And again, I had no idea what was happening. By the time I was finished, after two years, I went to her and I said, you know, I'm going to tell you something I've never said to another minister and that, you know, I feel called to do this. And when you are ready for me to go, um, I want to go to, to homes to go to um, our ministry training program. And she said, you're ready now. <laughs> <laughs> and so I graduated from practitioner training in July. I started school the April before.
1: Oh, my goodness. And and, so- and I have to say, when she's, you know, one of the things that Michael says that it always happens for ministers, there's point in time that, you know, we look around and go, really, me, God? me but you know with your background and how you grew up it was always here I am I'm your instrument yeah it
2: was here I am and and I had this thing I, I don't know why maybe it's something that I picked up when I was a kid I never wanted a church job. I always just wanted to do it. You know, and there's nothing wrong with working for the church. I mean, I understand that. But my thing was, it's just something I have passion for. It's just something I want to do. And um, that passion has been channeled over the years um, to the fact that I'm senior minister, which to my own surprise, because. You know, it's it's as they would say, it's not an issue of timing. Um, I wouldn't pick to do this right now, but I wouldn't not pick it. I could not imagine not doing what I'm doing right now.
1: Well, it's not a job for you. It's not. It, it was never a job for Reverend Georgia. No. And mm-hmm. and it's not for you. It's it's this. This is my passion. This is who I am. This is how I show up. Mm-hmm. And, and so I went to ministry school, and I couldn't figure
2: out how in the world I would manage. All of the courses, I had online courses, but then I had to drive to Santa Rosa three weekends a month for two years. And I am an assistant administrator at a hospital. (laughs) So I went, there's no way in the world this is going to work. There's no way. It's just no way it's going to work. Right when I started school, they asked me to do something different than I was doing primarily for a while. I went and did it for two years. It totally worked with my schedule and calendar. And I never missed a class on Saturday for two years. And as soon as I finished school, again, no one knew what was going on. They would ask me to go back to what I was previously doing. I, I never said anything, but yes.
1: That's all I say. I'll tell you what, when when God is is holding sacred space for you, there you just you just go really, yeah. wow.
2: I was the only one in ministry training in my class of ten who continued to work, and, and it doesn't it doesn't mean I'm noble by any stretch of the imagination. It just works. It it's about the passion for it that no matter what happens. No matter how tired I am, the joy of my life is to write a sermon.
1: Well, you know, the, the excitement for me is that I really love who you are because <laughs> because um, by being who you are, you hold sacred space in, in a sincerity that many ministers don't have. I mean, a lot of ministers get caught up with, well, here, here's the fence between us and you. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and when when you have that passion, it's there's no fence, mm-hmm. you no. know. There's no other. Here you no. are. Here I am. We are here. The things
2: that the my congregants are doing now, you know, the people who've been around go. I just, who are these people, Rick? None of these people did this kind of stuff before. I go. I don't know. All I do is stand up and say, I need this. What's
1: and the most exciting thing right now going on in your church? The most
2: exciting thing that is going on right now is to watch our music program. So that son of a friend still plays for our church. Really? He was 16 when they started. (laughs) Yes, he has a family now. Well, not only is it just him, he was a part of a band when he was in high school. The entire band is our band now. Oh, I love it. And he put the band back together when I took over. And he put the band back together. And so there, and I'm watching, you know, we have a musician. He's the nicest, kindest, quietest person ever. I didn't know the man had a voice and he said, you know, can I take the choir? And I went, that was what I was worried about. Absolutely. You know, and here he is totally transitioned it to this really beautiful experience where, There are people who go, I've always wanted to be in the choir. I was always afraid to, but I have to do it now because of the energy and the excitement they bring. And so that's just watching people, you know, just blossom. And that's what's the best part of it all. I just, everywhere I look, people are blossoming. Some woman walked up to me and she said, do you mind if I take over the kitchen on Sundays for coffee hour? Who would turn someone down? (laughs) Okay. I've never had to give her a dollar to do anything because people donate so much money every sunday for for what she is doing and what she has created that she never has anything to worry about she, she always has more than enough money for any and i don't mean she's buying stale cookies i mean they have a complete spread you know and it's really, a great experience for us
1: it's really fascinating because um um how the way my wife and i show up um, people call it the um, Tom Sawyer approach. Mm-hmm. And you're the same way. It's It's that thing where you your passion and your connection is such that you are in willingness and you are in yes. Mm-hmm. And people come to you and go, I want to help white- whitewash the fence. Mm-hmm. And go well, here's a section just for you.
2: My um, message on the Sunday that I was interviewing, one of the comments I made, I said, if you stumble over it, it's calling you to do it. It is not calling you to tell me. (laughs) And and so it's kind of part of my trademark that if you go to Rick, you're gonna go walk away with an assignment. And my assignment is, you have the vision for it. I'm here to support you. Tell me how to make you successful. Start the prison ministry, go right ahead. You wanna have game night for the congregation? Go right ahead. And that's all I say. As long as we can calendar it, go right ahead. Because here's the issue, no one is gonna get hurt. If if it were high risk situations, then I would have to think of this differently, but um, it's not high risk, it's the community. Are we going to make mistakes? Of course we are. But here's the thing, if we can't have forgiveness, how in the world do we expect God to have forgiveness?
1: Amen to that. You know,
2: and so so people make a mistake. So, I mean, we can get get over it. And so that's just me. I'm willing to take the risk. And um, in all honesty, what I get the most feedback I get from the long-termers are, I have never seen so many people involved. And I go, yeah, I just... I just make a way, you know, that's right. You want to do it. Go right ahead. You want to teach families how to raise children. Just tell me when you want to do it. And so I have a lot of energized, very dedicated, uh, loving
1: people. And it's the excitement of my life. Maya Angelou said one of the biggest things for her was to realize there are no problems bigger than God, you know, no. and and we she said we get caught up in our minds that there are that there are things that can't be handled And she said we forget who our partner is.
2: yes you know we teach in science of mind. Um, what we teach is there's only two circumstances in life. It is either principle or a condition. So God is love is a principle. It's a principle no matter what you believe. it's Universal. It's it's something that never changes. Anything else outside of that often is a condition. I made a mistake. It's a condition. It didn't ruin me at my core, at my essence. It's not a principle. It can change. And so that's what we are all about, is if you have a thought that doesn't work for you, change it. Because if you change your thinking, you'll change your life. And so... For us I believe that I lead that way. But I lead that way even on my job. Most of the people who work for me love working for me because they say I get to be so creative. Because I just I empower them. That's what spirit I think teaches us to do is to empower people to do the work of the
1: ministry. Part of the work part of the work in allowing spirit to flow through us. Is- yeah is to allow people to be successes which means you do not put someone who hates arithmetic mm-hmm. to be a cpa right and and so it's the onus on all of us to know that the divine is all around and and to hold sacred space so people can be successful and mm-hmm. that's exactly how you're living life mm-hmm. what an amazing thing if if there was you know <laughs> We could spend hours talking. <laughs> if there was one thing you wanted to make sure I asked you today, what would it be? I think is, um, what is
2: my community? What's the best description for my community? Our community is radically inclusive of LGBTQ plus related issues that we're totally um, open for that. Um, we are inclusive. That That is the defining point of us, is that we are inclusive. And so we make an effort to make you feel comfortable without betraying our belief system. So it's a place, if you've never fit in a faith community, I would say at least try us out. Because I think, number one, I think you'll be comfortable I think you would find it engaging. And again, it's the ragtag group. It's it's the group of of people who aren't comfortable in traditional situations. Many of them come out of traditional situations, and many of them would probably make people uncomfortable in a traditional situation. But I don't believe the option is you go to church or not. I believe we're an um, option for people who who want to think differently, who love the idea that of our social justice orientation, who love the idea that last week I integrate the Bible in Hinduism. I mean, I do it all the time. Um, I mean, I interweave um, belief structures like you wouldn't believe, you know. Um, and so, I mean, I love it. And unfortunately, and, and I have enough background in the traditional way, as well as in science and mind to be able to do it. And, and so that's what I'm known for. Um, that I can I can hook it all together in a very interesting way. The Atman to me is the same thing as the Christ
1: consciousness. But the interesting part about it is because of the fact that you do it that way mm-hmm. you 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 promote a feeling of come to our place. It's inclusive and see if you can be fed here. Mm-hmm. But you also hold that space with if you're not fed here, find a community where right. it can be found. Right. I wish you well. um, And I release you to God
2: because, but what I want to make sure is that there isn't someone who wants to be a part of a community and they can't find one. That's, that's the, the thing that's most important to me. And if, if people are uncomfortable in other places or they've um, have had experiences where people told them maybe they were lost or, corrupt or whatever um you know all the thing, thing we're going to tell you is that you're whole perfect and complete that's all we're going to tell you
1: and, and- it's, really, it's really important because you know the, <laughs> the research they're doing there's a polling group called springtide that polls kids between 15 and 33 about faith mm-hmm. and and the thing that they're finding is that kids do not want religion <laughs> they want <laughs> personal spirituality yeah They want inclusiveness. Mm -hmm. You know, so one of the things that before, I want to introduce you to some people. And there's uh, this incredibly, uh, really active um, interfaith group at UC Davis. Oh, really? Great. Uh, There's 13 different faith traditions there, and they have a council. Nice. So I'll share some information with you about that. Excellent. Because your views fit into a lot of stuff and it's what makes sunday morning at your church a pretty wild place
2: it is a wild place there are not many places you get to hear gospel music with a full band um followed by um a a sermon that interweaves bible and in any other faith tradition, because I'm always trying to look for things that include people, not the things that exclude people. And and it's, and it's I'm very intentional about it. And so is my community. If it's exclusive, that's not for me. There are plenty of people preaching that. I, I have no exclusion criteria. When God has exclusion criteria, I'll have exclusion criteria. And if God could hold on to me, God can hold on to anybody. And, and I'll tell you, I've never been out of church. I never had a wild side. I have the most boring life of an adult that you'll ever find. Um, I didn't do anything. I never left. I never got lost. I never lost my faith. Um, for me, this was the lifeline. And it is the place I've always felt comfortable. It was always the place I could be myself. It was always the place um, that I could be of help to someone else. And so uh, faith communities to me are are essential for not only for developing good spiritual character but how do you survive in a world that tells you you're just not enough oh, yeah. or you don't
1: have enough in every commercial in every classroom yeah it's all well you don't have the right perfume and you're not driving the right car and so you know mm-hmm. and, and all so, we're going to tell you is you're more than enough and have you noticed the two industries that you work on and they are industries yeah mm-hmm. are both industries where you hold sacred space yeah
2: yeah I could not I you know I've been in the caregiving business I'm actually a licensed respiratory therapist. I, I mean I do have a clinical background. I haven't practiced in a lifetime, but um I still have a license um so I took care of patients, you know um I, I and so I I love patients and so it was an easy transition for me. To move from carrying them physically in many situations, to turn around and um, helping people um, get in touch with their soul and the beauty of who they are, and and so it it all makes sense to me. (laughs) Um, But um, it probably is not the pathway of uh, the average character. Um, But I I am so blessed that I really most days wake up and I just don't believe it's all possible.
1: What, what traditional is not something you are. And no, and I've never really, God bless you for that. But
2: I'll tell you, believe it or not, you could put me in in an evangelical environment and I can give you a three point sermon.
1: I understand exactly. Um,
2: But I guarantee you no matter what I do, it's, it, it'll it'll slide back into the into what I believe. So that's why I just stick with my people um because uh, and people who want to hear me and and hear what we think. Um, because I I'm really preaching preaching primarily how to be inclusive and how to be advocates for people and that you don't have to personally um, ser- have to suffer for something to be an advocate and supporter of someone who has. And so, uh, you know, this is this is my passion. Um, and so yes, I've done it in healthcare, and I think everybody should have health insurance. But the other part of me says, um, you know, I care for people to get in touch with their soul, not get in touch with me, um, get in touch with God. I, I mean, whatever your spiritual connection is, um, and I have space for that. And who am I to describe what the standard should be?
1: Yeah. And it's so interesting because it's not a it's not a conscious thing that that occurs. Um, I've uh, during my time at the church before I retired, I ran the uh, prayer chapel program, mm-hmm. and the prayer chaplains basically did prayer out loud with people. Mm-hmm. And and the thing that was most interesting was how that changed people. Mm-hmm. How it changed the prayer chaplains who could come from anywhere, right. from blue collar or anywhere. And as long as they were willing to have the willingness to sit down and look into another's eyes and hold sacred space with inclusion, mm-hmm. it changed them to the point where we actually had one prayer chaplain who, five years from when she started the program, you could not tell in the two photographs it was the same person. Mm-hmm we
2: stand with people on holy ground yes. when you hold space for people and you hold space for spirit to be their experience what what you know whatever that is um it's holy ground um it's it's as holy ground as Moses standing in front of the burning bush because that's our experience. It's great to read about everybody else's experience, but I will tell you I only have one message no matter what you have been through, you can overcome because with God, all things are possible. And so your your experience of being on holy ground, your individual experience of the Easter moment, your individual experience of the resurrected life is what makes a difference. It's, It's about what is happening in us. And so all I want to do is inspire people these this is where these people started this is what happened to them and they made a decision so yes i talk about um sexual abuse in church i have and i've had five men walk out of the room crying unable to talk going you have no idea what i've been through and i talk about people who are uh, who have been trafficked and, and all kinds of things and and people will just go why in the world would you think about talking about all those things? And I said, because that's the world we live in. It is the world we live in. That's the world we live in. And I guarantee you, there is no topic that I can bring up that somebody in here hasn't experienced. And so that's to be
1: there for them. Here's a difficult question. Yeah. Where will you be in five years? (laughs) You know, my
2: biggest concern is the sustainability and the longevity of my community. Yeah. I have been given a sacred trust that Reverend Dr. Georgia endorsed and supported this transition to me. If she hadn't have supported it, I never would have done it, by the way. But but the thing is, is my orientation is to find the next leader. And so I am or I'm very much oriented. Um, there's a a book called Next, which talks about the next pastoral um, uh, experience in your congregation. And I kind of live by it in a lot of ways. And that is, we are all all temporary. Every one of us as ministers are temporary. And so how do you necessarily pave the way for the next person? So that's my primary concern, at the same time growing a community. So five years from now, hopefully I'll be retired from my day job. But if not... (laughs) Which is fine for me. Um, you know, I just am proud to do what I do. I I let other people speak. It doesn't all have to be about me. Um, I let somebody speak every fourth Sunday. Somebody else gets up and talks other than me. Um, and I encourage it. Um, this is not about me. This is about can people find a spiritual connection? And they have a little bit of variety. Um, um, I'm the one, the senior minister who does the three Sundays a month, but um. But you know, it's the idea is how do you be inclusive, and and as soon as you find that you're not being inclusive, then that's when you have to start dealing with your values and say, now, you know exactly how do I feel about this? Because it is difficult. We teach that everyone is whole, perfect, and complete,
1: and that's very difficult to believe about somebody who's abused you. Well, and I've I've said that the the, the interesting part about it is uh, we teach that. Uh, and yet each of us get up in the morning and get in front of a mirror mm-hmm. and go, I am God. And then the inner voices start arguing with us. Mm-hmm. Who do you think you are? What, how can you say that? Think about what you did last week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and we probably did
2: it. <laughs> did well, yeah,
1: we did. <laughs> What's the imperfection that's part yes. of the perfection?
2: Yes. And, and and the point of it all is, is it, it that's what grace is all about. <laughs> that's what the whole story is about is that if you look at every hero in the bible they are always the underdog yeah they're always the underdog and what we should always see and hear from the, those stories is you know the underdog survives too overcome yes the first will be last and the last will be first you
1: there's know a gr- there's a great yeah. analogy that says faith stands for finally after intense trauma There is hope.
2: There is hope. There is hope. We celebrate people that are in recovery. I mean, every first Sunday, we celebrate birthdays and anniversaries, and and then we celebrate people that are in recovery, and we, we ask them to stand, and we really cheer for them because we know how difficult it is. That wasn't my path, Reverend Dr. Georgia. That was her path. It wasn't mine, but I have a heart for it all. And so, how do how do you support individuals? And I go, if you're in recovery or you need to be in recovery, you know, um, you know, you have a place here. And so, it, it's again, it's how do you be inclusive, but not but not lose your message. Yeah. But our message is about a universal, ultimate reality thing that we call God. And so, it, it, with that there's no place we can't go
1: and there's nothing we can't do right and so so as we come we're coming near the end here mm-hmm. and 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 you know this this is going to be watched from anywhere from 30 to 100 people sure going to watch this and then it'll be online so people can see it so as you come near the end what would be a final message you want to share and and it's You've got such a beautiful message that's been woven through this entire thing. But as we come near the end, what would you want to say?
2: I I think more than anything else is that God is love. God doesn't just do loving things. God is love. And because of that, you can overcome whatever you have been through. And if you need a community to be a part with that is an overcomer community, You should try CSA. So what's your your website? CSAsacramento.org. And tell us about your Sunday services. We have two Sunday services. Our first is at 9 a.m. It's very quiet, a long meditation. Um, We do meditate in service. Um, And so it's very meditative. I always speak. And then at 1030, we have a meditation for another 15 minutes for the later crowd. They have a full guided meditation 1045 we have praise and worship music 11 o'clock uh, serve starts, we have a complete program for children um, and teens. Um, we're a great place for teens who don't fit in other environments last Sunday, the teens were talking about um, the dangers of body image and being portrayed as not being complete because you're not thin enough or the right color. And so we have complete program for families. And and so we do that between 11 and 12. And at the end of the service, all of the kids and all of the teens come to the platform and I give them the mic and they tell us what they did and what they learned and what their affirmation is. And we cheer them on like you wouldn't believe. It's the best part. It's the best part of it
1: all. And and so because of our podcast being really totally transparent and full out, mm-hmm. Rachel, will you come here for a minute? I want you, we're going to step away from the plan. And this is Rachel Lyman. This is my wife. Hello. Hello. Very she, nice to meet you. She leads Interfaith Explorers and has since 2007. Oh, I- And I'm introducing you because I'm sure she's going to want to do some kind of a field trip. You are
2: always welcome to be with us. We really enjoy it. To CSA sometime in the future. Yeah. And every month we tithe to a community service that is ministering in our communities. Um, And so we we believe in the cycle of of circulation. And so um, I'm happy to host you. I'm happy at any given time that you'd like to be a part of us. Um, and I always tell people you can check us out. We are on Facebook Live uh, it's Sunday morning, started at 10 30 The whole experience, an hour and a half, is live. Um, and then there's a YouTube channel, and
1: uh, you get to see that. And we're on Faith TV. We've uh, actually been there before. Oh, excellent! We have, we have a number of friends are there. Okay. But now, because of podcast, I really need to close it. Yep. So I could spend the afternoon talking to you.
2: Let's do so it again.
1: Oh, uh, I think we should. So this has been a really special journey today, getting to know Reverend Rick Harrell um, and the Center for Spiritual Awareness. As you can see, this is about inclusion. It's, it's all about, about inclusion. Overcoming. Mm-hmm. And we want you all to know that are listening today that the mission of Interfaith Explorers is to build bridges through education and field trips and other faith traditions, as my wife does signals in the background.
0: <laughs> Just... Doing a namaste thing.
1: It, everyone has to have a handler. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And she is my handler. CSA is a community filled with amazing adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It reminds me when I went of what Camelot must have been like in the chaos of Great Britain. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. uh, And you've got the website. He shared the website. He shared about Sunday. Reverend Rick, we give great thanks for the fact of how you live your life. And the fact that it gives sacred space so that um, when you see a set of eyes, you see the divine. Yeah. And we look yeah. forward to connecting with you in f- in the future in a lot Thank of you. different ways, my friend. Thank you. God is good. Thank you so much. You have a wonderful afternoon. You and too. And, and I know we will be seeing you soon. And so it is. And so it is. God bless.
0: Thank you for joining us today to explore a deeper understanding of our interfaith look at the world. This 2023 podcast will be aired the fourth Thursday of the month on Spiritual Life Center's website, slcworld.org under Interfaith Connection Podcasts. You can also listen to our previous 24 plus podcasts at this same location. And we wanna hear from you. So send us your comments, questions or suggestions to me. That's Rachel Lyman at rachel24 at surewest.net. That's r-a-c-h-e-l-2-4 at dot And let us remember as we go along our different paths that Gandhi once said, a peaceful exploration of all faiths is our sacred duty. Namaste.